Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. What is up, plant people? Today is Tuesday, the 20th of April, 2021, and you're listening to the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and overall really cool coolness of some of the best plant people in all the land. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host and humble guide through this journey, and I'm thrilled you're with me today. Hey, so uh, I'm going to keep this short today because I want to jump right into this episode. It's great. It's great. You're going to love it. Uh, Kristen is a friend of mine. Um, we were in grad school at the same time here at Texas Tech. She was working on her master's, and I was finishing my PhD. Uh, we've worked together a couple of times doing some ag communication and social media stuff, and she is just like a top-notch human. She's a farmer. She is a seed salesperson. Uh, she grows corn. Uh, she sells corn. She does some wonderful uh, social media stuff through her outlet, uh, Gingerline Creative and Gingerline Farms, and is really just one of the most warm and personable and intelligent and wonderful people I know. And and so I, I can't wait for you to hear from Kristen. Before that, real quick, uh, I don't have a mid-roll in this episode because I totally forgot about it when we were recording. I was having so much fun talking to my friend. Um, but so I'll throw some stuff here at the beginning. You know what? You should go follow Planthropology on social media. Go find all the things uh, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I'm the plant prof on TikTok. So if you're one of the TikTokers, go follow this old man on uh, TikTok on the place that you are and uh, uh, see all the silly stuff that I do to make a fool of myself on there. It's great. Um, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash planthropology um, and you can for as little as a dollar a month, support the show, make sure we keep talking about plants. Anything that we raise goes directly back into the show or into horticulture education in general. So uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. So let's listen to a great episode with my friend Kristen Dickey from Gingerline Farms. In five, four, three, two, one, let's play some music. Right. Well, we're back with another episode of Planthropology, and I'm here uh, with my friend Kristen Dickey, who uh, I, I'm pretending like she came all the way from Colorado just for this interview. I don't think that's true, but I'm going to pretend like that's like it is. Uh, Kristen is a farmer, a seed salesman, and an advocate, which is a uh, advocate for agriculture, which is kind of an important thing these days. Uh, so, Kristen, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm so so far so good. I've been up since three a.m. So my brain is sort of working. Well, I saw that on Instagram or Facebook that you went to shoot the Milky Way. I did because I'm a crazy person. That's cool. It's fun. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I talked to, I conned a friend into going with me. And uh, so, you know, you need to find a friend that'll get up at 3 a.m. and go wander around in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night with you. Those are the good ones. Yeah. And he, the first thing we said when we got where we were going is like, do you think the snakes are out? I was like, I, I don't know. It's cold. Probably not. Yeah. In that case, I wouldn't be with you. Did you go around here? Uh, yeah. We went down near Tahoka, which is like, for those of you listening from not America or not West Texas, is about 30, 45 minutes away from, from where we are. And uh, we drove about 120 miles this morning just around West Texas and stopped a couple different places. And so, yeah, I left home at... 340 and rolled back into my driveway about 745 
and I was going to take a nap, but I have a five-year-old, so. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That halts it pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty quick. <laughs> do pretty what you got to do for the shot. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I, I may or may not have like knelt in the middle of a highway for about five minutes. But, if, you know, there's no one out at 430 in the it, yeah. morning. There's no one out. It's fine. They this were, this has now. nothing to do with, with you. or I'm So I'm sorry. I'm just talking about my weird No, morning. you have cool hobbies. <laughs> I have hobbies that don't take place at, at normal <laughs> times, apparently. Uh, you know, fishing, this, whatever. Anyway, uh, so tell us about yourself, Kristen. You know, um, you have done a lot from ag communications to uh, farming and, and sort of everything in between. So uh, where are you from? How, where'd you grow up? What did you like growing up? You know, yeah. Tell us about you. I am from Eastern Colorado, a little town called Shine Wells. Um, but I went to school in Kit Carson, so about 30 miles west. I graduated with six people. Oh, wow. There were 22 kids in my entire high school. Okay. So when I say I'm from a small town, <laughs> I legitimately am from a small town in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have any stoplights, no McDonald's, no Walmart. Yeah. So okay. S- very wow, small. Six. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Small. So. Yeah, I grew up, um, my dad and his brother's farm and um, run a little bit of cattle, and I was the first generation to go to college, so I kind of got burnt out on farming. I grew up helping dad and whatnot, and uh, decided I was out of there and never wanted to see dirt again. I believe that, so you moved to Lubbock. Well, actually, (laughs) yeah, it's funny how we uh, circled back. But no, I went to Denver to Regis University for my first year and was studying Spanish. I wanted to be a Spanish teacher when I grew up. I'm not really sure where that came from, but uh, I learned quickly that I would not do that. So yeah, I was there for about a year and really that's when my whole uh, advocacy thing kind of came into play because I realized how far removed people had been from not only rural America, but farms in general. Um, yeah, one of my first run-ins was one of my close friends. I was talking about sitting on a combine for harvest, wheat harvest, cutting wheat. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't understand what you mean by a combine. And I was explaining the type of equipment. And she's like, oh, I thought you meant columbine, like the Colorado flower. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm not quite sure how you got that from the context. But <laughs> anyways... Uh, yeah, I had lots of conversations like that. A lot of my friends were from like California and Arizona and whatnot and big inner cities. So long story short, I decided that I need to go study some type of communications. And so my younger sister, she's a year younger than me, had come down to West Texas A&M and Canyon to study nursing. And so I came to visit and, um, found that they had an ag communications degree, so cool, I can study like journalism and agriculture. Yeah. So yeah, I remember coming down and it was just ugly and brown and <laughs> but yeah, within the first 30 minutes I was sold and the people were wonderful and the college was awesome. So I transferred within two weeks, I think. Oh wow. So okay. it was a very quick decision, yeah. So um I feel like I'm making this pretty long winded, no, but you're good. You're good. I yeah, so I did my undergrad there, graduated with AgCom. And then I went straight to work for Triangle Realty in Canyon, Amarillo. Um, they weren't hiring, but I had met Jamie Haynes a couple times throughout college, and I wanted to work for her and be like her when I grew up. So I knocked on the door until they created a position for me. So yeah, I then was a marketing liaison for about a year and a half. 
and then realized, well, there's more I want to do in life and I'm only 23. And so I wanted to go get my master's degree. So I was going to go get my master's degree in international ag from OSU. Okay. But then I found a program here in Lubbock um, that would allow me to work kind of hand in hand here and in Eastern Colorado with Reviving Rural America. Okay. So that was Oglala Commons. It's a nonprofit. And so then I started my master's with Dr. Bourne here at Tech as ag education. So I get my master's here and then... I decide I'm going to go straight into my PhD until I defend my thesis. And then it's just kind of like an overwhelming, <laughs> emotional, like, this uh-huh. is the first time I've taken a breath in two years uh-huh. kind of thing. And I have an addictive personality, so I was completely addicted to my thesis project. And so then I realized, okay, I maybe it's best to step back for a second and go back out into the real world. So I go home. Um randomly one weekend and um, meet this gentleman that sells corn seed to our family and he's looking to transition um retire and so he asked if i had a job and i said yeah you know i think i'm gonna go straight into my phd and so anyways we got to talking and within a week i decided to take his position and move back to colorado all right so yeah (laughs) that's what i'm doing now i'm a district um manager for uh golden harvest through Syngenta, and I manage about 25 guys and sell corn seed. Wow, so, all right. Yeah, <laughs> done a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything, <laughs> I, but that's cool. Like, I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into some of the, like, advocacy work. I, I'm going to keep saying advocacy because I cannot get the other word out of my mouth. Yeah, Like, nope. it, sh- it shouldn't be hard to say ag, ag, see, I can't do it. Advocacy. Advocacy. Yeah, it, it is a little bit hard. That G is too hard or something. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, try spelling it. My <laughs> my inability to use the English language well is is not, you know, notwithstanding. But, um, no, so I think to really do that well, and we'll talk more specifically about what you do, you kind of need to know a little bit about everything, right? Yeah. It, we are, you know, I'm I'm nerdy horticulture plant guy, but people expect you to know everything about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like it, which is unreasonable, right? It's it's yeah. but but it is what it is, right? People expect you to know. So like the fact that you've done a little bit of a bunch of different things in the industry, you know, growing up in it, getting out of it, coming back in, that that actually I think I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm right or not, but it seems like that would help overall just from a a perspective standpoint. Yeah, totally. I've been pretty entrepreneurial my whole life. I think that's in my genetics and um, it's just come in helpful in any position that I've had. And okay, I'm only 28, but, and sometimes I think, oh, I, you know, I haven't done enough or I have (laughs) jumped jobs too many times, but the older I get and the different positions I have, I start to realize, okay, well, it's great that I know how to video this property. Or if a farmer's not here, I can easily communicate with him. I'm pretty good with people. Um, My education or my ag education uh, master's degree is coming into play because I'm learning how to educate adults. I took a cool class called adult learning, and I use that quite often in just explaining what type of hybrids would fit best and then yeah. what types of questions to ask the growers. And so, yeah, a lot has come into play into every position that I've had. So I enjoy being kind of multifaceted and. Yeah. 
No, it's it's important for sure. So you may have answered this a little bit already, and if you have, I'll cut this part out. Uh, it's not that I wasn't listening; my brain just kind of runs too fast sometimes. Mine too. Um, um, what was your thesis over? What was your like? What specifically did you study? Yes. Yeah, so my thesis, uh, you're probably going to have to stop me because I said I was addicted to it and I was addicted to it. Um, <laughs> so the reason I came to back to school was I knew this is what I wanted to study and nobody was going to tell me what I could do a thesis on or couldn't. <laughs> so I, my long-term goal in life is to have a learning farm, like a couple cool. 10, 20 acres, garden, and then teach um, students and adults life skills because I think um, a lot of those classes have been taken out of public school systems and we've kind of gotten away from basics and fundamentals. Um, And so anyways, there's a program here in Lubbock called Grub, which I'm pretty sure you've worked with. Yeah. Um, So I did a qualitative grounded theory study on pro-social and anti-social behaviors. So basically, um, I interviewed 12 people who had been in the GRUB program. Let me back up. The GRUB program is basically a gardening program for low SES um, children in Lubbock. Sometimes they're sentenced to GRUB because um, they got in trouble with the law and have to go do community service and whatnot. But then it kind of turned into... um, kind of a community for students, children in Lubbock to join just to learn basic life skills yeah. like gardening, cooking, um, interviewing, basic communication skills, critical thinking. And so I wanted to know where these kids were ending up after they graduated um, from high school or from the program. So I interviewed 12 people who went through the grub program and the stories that you hear about their backgrounds were pretty alarming. Um, just abuse and a lot of things that a lot of hardships that some people never even think yeah. of going through. And then you realize that these students ended up being nurses. Um, one opened a chiropractor business. One became a farmer and had no previous experience with agriculture whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so, Going back to the thesis, I used grounded theory to develop a theory of how when they start the program, they typically had antisocial behaviors. So antisocial behaviors lead to people acting out, crime, violence, emotional instability. And so that was um, like isolation, apathy, you know, we don't really care. These are the circumstances we've been given in life and it is what it is. I'm going to act out because I really have no choice. Yeah. Or I'm hungry and my only choice to feed myself is to do things that put me or my family in danger or are against the law. Sure, yeah. So through learning these life skills, they began to... um figure out teamwork and critical thinking, and then a lot of pride and purpose from putting a seed in the ground and raising it to fruition to see the fruits of their labor kind of thing. So they come out of the program with pro-social behaviors such as belonging, grit, um, self-worth, and empathy instead of apathy. So they become more contributing members of society. Okay. So... That's really yeah, interesting. That was long. No, no, no. That, but that's great. I think that, that I, I would, I would, yeah. I, I, people are like, hey, can you give me the elevator pitch for your 
I'm like, no, I'm just going to talk. It's quite complex always, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is complex. And it, you know, honestly, it should be. It should be complex. You know, I think we, and this is an aside, but like we are pressured a lot of times in science, uh, maybe in, in everything. But but let's talk just specifically about science to like, okay, well, what are the cliff notes? Like, give, give me the 15 second explanation. And, and we need to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it, it should be complex, especially when you're dealing with people uh, and te- gosh, teenagers, right? Like they're complex little humans. We all are, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it, it yeah, no, I, I have no problem with you going into detail because I think it's really interesting. Uh, but people need to understand that like, okay, this is again, another, another sort of like tangent, maybe a little bit, but we live in a world where we try to distill everything down into a single point in space, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we take complex, you know, messy humans and we're like, this is what it's about. And that, that's not life. That's not how it works. Nothing's that clean and neat and, you know. <laughs> focused i don't know that's yeah that's maybe a soapbox but no there's so many psychological constructs and i didn't do a quantitative study so quantitative is numbers you know we're we're gonna get a focus group we're gonna take our surveys and we'll have our numbers my brain doesn't operate that way and i'm much more into the human uh yeah we're just inherently messy so the psychology but behind our actions is why I wanted to do a qualitative study. Yeah. So I could give you the 15-second pitch and you'd just be like, oh, yeah, we need more contributing members of society. <laughs> but why Why were they acting out in the first place was what I wanted to get down to. Yeah, the context matters. So, yeah. Um, no, that's that's really cool. That's really interesting. We had um, uh, uh, Matt McEwen, who is the new director of the Grub program or the, the Farm Orchard and Grub on the show a few weeks ago. And, but, but I, I like the perspective you bring, um, cause he, you know, he works with the kids. He does all that. And he's mm-hmm. there like on the ground. I love the perspective from the like psychological, like science side of it, of the same kind of thing. That's, that's a cool, like, I guess way to wrap that up too is, is just to, you know, I don't know. To, to again, again, I think I talk a lot about how context matters in, in everything we do. And that's important context for why they do the program and why it's important and how it helps. Not just that it helps, yep. but how it helps. Yeah, I think the program was a little bit threatened because they weren't seeing tangible results. And so my study helped quite a lot, I think, because they saw that these students, um, six out of my 12 said if they weren't in grub, they would have killed themselves. Like, wow. yeah, suicide is where I want to end up. Wow. So it's like, this program is not only teaching kids life skills, it's saving lives. So yeah, it, it was a very, very emotional process. Um, and it's hard when you're the interviewer and you have to maintain a distance mm-hmm. and bias. And so it's, it was very emotionally, you have to keep a journal. Uh, yeah. Because the conversations I had, I mean, some of it was like, wow, I can't believe they're telling me this right now. But it was awesome because they just trusted me immediately. And sometimes we'd have three-hour conversations that were recorded. And I'm like, this is being recorded. But they were fine with that because they really came from such hardships and were so proud to be still still alive. They were still here and they were thriving, not just – they didn't just get through it. They were – they're all – Doing pretty good. So it's an awesome program. And that's cool. I'm glad they have it. Yeah. Um, Ag saves lives in a whole lot of way. Yeah, it sure does. It's 
kind of the core of everything. <laughs> yeah, the land is important. So let's let's go back just a little. So you know, there's there's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, so I want to jump back a little bit and, and talk about what you do um, in your current role. Or you've got a couple of roles now, but in your current role is the let's start with seed salesman because salesperson, whatever. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah. Then that actually leads into what I want to ask you. Okay. Uh, the fact that I made that that mental flub a little bit. Um, so you, you are a woman in agriculture. Yes, I am. What's that even like? Lonely. (laughs) So it's crazy. There's been a lot of juxtapositions between my study with 12 participants that were in a gardening program and my role as a woman, not only in ag, but, um, back in rural America and then in my particular position. So, yeah, what I do, um, sometimes it gets confusing because our vernacular doesn't make a lot of sense. It would seem like I'm doing the direct selling to the grower, farmer. I call my farmers growers, um, but I'm not. So I oversee about 25 um, guys. They're all men, and they do the direct selling to the grower. So basically, I assist them in understanding what hybrids would place well in certain soil types, environments, etc. Um, and I do a lot of customer relations with like our top 10 growers who might need more focus um, and farm larger acres. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's been very rewarding. And I'm I'm thankful that my group of guys adapted to me. <laughs> Eventually, uh-huh. but I'm actually quite a passive person. Um, it takes me a while to be confident about something until I know that I'm competent okay. in that yeah, subject. So yeah, coming into the role, typically before you become, before you can be in my current role, you have to do a two-year like DSR program. It's kind of like an assistantship leading okay. up to this role. Well, I didn't do that, and I never interned with Syngenta or any major ad company for that matter. So I think that threw some of them for a loop and it threw me for a loop because I'm just like, all right, we're figuring this out. I know <laughs> nothing about a corn plant. I mean, I do, but my family didn't start farming corn until I think I was in college. So yeah. really a corn plant is a little bit complex when you first yeah. start out or to me. And like, I really didn't even know about relative maturities and heat units. And yeah, so the agronomic side was intimidating And I think my guys knew that, but I was very transparent and open from the beginning. Like I know what I don't know and I'm willing to stink at something new. Mm -hmm. And that's something to admire. I think in the beginning I kind of had imposter syndrome, but the longer I've been in this role, it's like, dude, you, you just went for it though. I mean, you're willing to learn and what I've learned in, in two years has been awesome. So yeah, they all kind of adopted me pretty well in the beginning. We had some, just distrust, I think, and unease. They were used, they had been with um, the same guy for about 16 years. And so when a young, first of all, young person, yeah, they all thought I was straight out of college, which <laughs> I wasn't. I had six years of work experience before, <laughs> yeah. before coming into this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so young and then uh, female. Yeah, it's, there have been comments, but not really from my dealers it's really come from my growers. And I have about 500 um, farmers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you work with a lot of 
people in agriculture. Yeah. Probably mostly dudes. Lots of dudes. Me and a bunch of dudes. That's what I'm always saying. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a good thing I grew up farming with my dad and his brothers because I was I'm the oldest of all the cousins and so it was usually always me and a bunch of dudes. So yeah. I can take I don't really take offense to jokes or you know, and and I'm not afraid to to ask for help either. I mean, sometimes there literally are some physical things that I need help with that yeah, some sure. guys are just stronger physically. Sure. But yeah, I can joke with the best of them and drink a beer and <laughs> yeah, very adaptable, I think. You know, it's it's interesting to me that you say that, well, I, I totally get imposter syndrome. I do a hundred percent. Like I've been doing plant stuff for a minute and like I know my stuff. Yeah, but still you know some, plants. Still, some days I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I here? Like I don't, I don't, I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting to to hear you say that you consider yourself sort of a uh, like a passive. You, you strike me as very confident and uh, capable, and and not that being passive negates either of those things. But I, I just like it, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought to me how we perceive ourselves a mm-hmm. lot of times because I've known you a few years, you know, maybe, you know, we're not, we've known each other super well, but like we've been friends a few years and we've worked yeah, together sure. a little bit and you have always come across to me as very confident, uh, very strong and capable. And I think that it's, I think your personality uh, really lets you to do what you do well from mm-hmm. the, the sales to the ad- advocacy and everything in between. So, I mean, I've always been very impressed with you. Thanks. It's funny that you say that because most people I'll say, oh, I'm really introverted or it'll come the weekend and I just don't want to do anything. And they're like, well, you're a people person. (laughs) I am. But like, like now even, I mean, I'm shaking and I don't know if I totally am an introvert and I get really, really nervous. But I think there's just a part of me. I'm the oldest child. Like I said, I've just always been used to having to toughen up and sure. like it or leave it. I mean, we're here. So you're either going to sink or swim. And I think I just kind of have that thick skin. So I am not afraid to go in scared. Like going scared is sure. kind of something I maybe one of my mantras, just go for it, dude. And you got to be tough. So Uh, And it can't be that scary. You're going to come out alive. I mean, yeah. so yeah, yeah, even if I'm shaking in my boots, I'm going to go because I like learning and I do like people. But at the end of the day, I'm, yeah, yeah, after today, I tried on wedding dresses and come do this and then we travel and yeah, I'll meet with some friends. I'll be tired. Yeah, I'll I'll need a two days to. Okay. Recoup. You know, my my wife is, is kind of the same way. She works with the public a lot. And she's very good at it, but then like yeah. some days she's like, I just need to not talk to humans. Yeah, I can turn on very well, but yeah, you can ask my fiance. I, I don't say much to him sometimes on the weekends and he knows. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh no, I, I, I get that. And I'm unfortunately probably annoyingly extroverted in general. Uh, <laughs> no, I envy that people like that. I, but I can't turn it off sometimes. And yeah. so like, and, and this, again, this is an interesting conversation. Again, it's not... Not necessarily, you know, what our our main topics were, but when we talk about communication and we talk about effective communication, I think it takes all kinds Mm -hmm. for for one thing. Uh, But then I think we all have challenges we have to overcome to be effective at the things we do. Yes. And, uh, you know, we I kind of like to like what you said that we're here now 
And it's like, okay, we either figure it out or we don't. Yep. And so, uh, I mean, the, I mean, I feel like as in your position as a woman, I feel like you've had a lot of things probably to overcome with dealing with the perceptions of, of the people that you work with, but it seems like you're doing a great job. Thanks. Yeah. I think vulnerability is a huge thing, not only for my current role, but being an advocate of any sorts or a communicator of any sorts. Like I'm just not afraid to tell it how it is and be honest about, yeah, what I don't know. And I think that's what helped me get over the obstacles pretty quickly in my role was like, listen, I don't even understand why he's planning a 98 day corn next to 118 day. I, I, what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I might look kind of silly or literally sometimes I would get like the deer in the headlights. Like this girl legitimately is our manager, but I didn't know. So I don't like pretending. I'm not a good pretender, which is why I think I'm good in sales because I'll shoot it straight. And I think people value that, especially these days. So many people have so much armor on or a facade and it's like, this doesn't work. We've just got to bring ourselves to the table and people appreciate that. And it helps people. They open up so much quicker to you because they can sense that vulnerability and that authenticity. So yeah, that's awesome. So, so, okay. So kind of tying on to that, like, you know, you, uh, you talked about how, you know, you were coming into this role, not knowing a lot about corn, you know, yeah. and how your family started growing corn at some point when you were kind of gone already. Yeah, yeah it was too late. And, and so now you're growing corn. Yeah. Or, yeah. So how, so well, how's that? I mean, like, did you see yourself? I mean, I, I think from, from our conversation, it was kind of clear that you didn't necessarily when you were young, but like. How did you see yourself maybe back into a farming role, like an actual like agricultural farming role? Yes. So I always knew, even growing up when I left the farm, I knew that that's how I want to raise my kids. It's just a way of life that, and it goes back to my thesis too. I just think everything starts with the land yeah. and it's a great way to connect and become grounded and just understand that everything comes from something, which I think our society is forgetting. <laughs> um, and we're so quick to be entitled or have instant gratification. And it's like a seed has to be planted and watered and cared for until you see the fruit. So yeah, just kind of a metaphor for life and, what we're given and received and what we're sometimes not entitled to. Um, so yeah, I always knew I wanted to grow up, um, or raise my kids on a farm and marry a farmer. I always wanted to marry a farmer. (laughs) Um, I just think the lifestyle teaches things that a lot of people don't get. And I really do feel like it's a luxury. So yeah, that's part of the reason I took the job was I, I did want to stay here for my PhD, but I thought, you know what, maybe this is a sign from God to, go back and start farming with my dad and whatnot. And yeah. it has kind of ended up like that. I mean, I met my future husband, didn't expect that, but um, yeah. So farming's just important to me. I think it's where everything starts and ends and it's a tough life, but most farmers are humble and kind and because they've been humbled yeah they, i mean sometimes you have a thousand dollar repair or market prices crash or you're in a severe drought but you're humble and resilient and those are qualities that i admire and i would like to have and pass on to future kids so that's cool yeah can, can you tell me like just from like a uh you know because i think I think maybe, you know, kind of what we're talking about is is there's maybe a, a gap or not maybe. There definitely is a gap 
in knowledge about how things work. Like, okay. Yeah. You got cornflakes. Cool. Right? Like, you go to the store, you buy corn, you, you know. It, you, I, I like how you say that, that everything comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. Um, so can you tell us just briefly or as briefly as you want to, it doesn't have to be that brief, honestly, I, I used to get, I've said this before, but I used to get really like caught up in how long these episodes were. Oh, and yeah. then I realized it's my show and I don't care. And so like however long they go is fine. Yeah, that's great. Cause and I'm pe- very time, uh, cautious. Yeah. Conscience. And, uh, and it like, it seems like people still listen. I hope if you're listening that you're still listening. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about like what your, how your operation runs? Like what are. You know, I know that's a big question, but like if you were to tell someone like this is what it's like on a like on a, a corn farm, well, what would you yeah. tell them? Yeah. So um, it's a little bit complex because agriculture is because it's science. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I farm with my dad. So I'll just speak about the family and then the logistics of the farm. Okay. So I have a full-time job that takes 98% of my time. And then my fiance farms with my dad and his brothers. Okay. And so um, they're the ones who do the farming. And then I just have a couple acres that I call the shots on, um, okay. me and my sisters. So my dad has his stuff. I have my stuff okay. and then we have cousins and everything else involved. So farming, uh, we farm mainly wheat, corn, and milo. So year round, we're busy. Um, we'll plant wheat in September mm-hmm. and then that doesn't come up until July. Okay. And then between then, we will plant corn. We're fixing to plant corn probably around May 1st. Okay. Um, and then we hit the ground running. So, um, and then we'll harvest corn in October and then throughout the year we'll be fertilizing and chemigating and we don't do a lot of, um, plowing. We're pretty much minimum to no till because it's all dry land. So we don't have any water. I say I'm from Colorado, but I'm not from the mountains. It's literally (laughs) just like West Texas. Everybody's like, Oh, you moved to the desert for school. I'm like, yeah, nope. It's just the same. Yep. (laughs) The wind doesn't even blow as much here as it does where I'm from. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was totally used to, Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit warmer here though. Okay. But, um, yeah, so that's basically it. We do all the um, deciding what plants and what types of plants. So when I say hybrid, what type of hybrid of corn I'm going to plant on said acres and then call all the shots on um, fertilizers, all the sides, fungicide, herbicides, pesticides, um, and then marketing with the markets. My dad and uncles do that and all right. Then away it goes. We store it in the bins and sell it when we need to sell it. Now, are you are you all growing uh, what type of corn? Like grain, like feed corn, or yeah, okay, ninety. I think almost all of our corn goes to feedlots. Okay. So even um, just generally speaking, for my territory, for my full time big girl job, ninety um, percent of the corn grown in Colorado goes to feedlots, okay. feeding cattle. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. So yeah, you know, it's it and it's it's really cool to hear. Like you know, I I. I did not grow up in agriculture. I grew up in backyard gardens and things like yeah, that. Yeah, which is the kind of agriculture that I think is so cool that I don't <laughs> even know if I have a green thumb. So oh, I think you probably do. Hopefully. Yeah, I think you probably do. But like when we talk about the scale of a farm, right, I'm used to the, you know, 
Oh, it's you. you know, I, I work with a lot of farmers market producers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I have a big operation. I have five acres. I'm oh, like, oh, okay, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and then I, you know, I came to Texas Tech and started to learn about agriculture being in the plant soil science department. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So we're talking like hundreds or thousands of acres in large scale production. And yes. it's a totally like, it, it's, it's cool because we have, I, I think it's interesting. We have the same goals between like horticulture and agriculture as we're, either feeding people directly often or feeding something that feeds people. Like we're all part of the food chain or the mm-hmm. fiber chain. We're providing for humans, but the ways we approach it are different. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, again, as a, you know, backyard garden nerd, like it's, it's cool for me to to think about and try to wrap my brain around like large scale agriculture. Yeah. I think it gets very muddy talking about being an agriculturalist and a producer and a farmer and a food producer. And for some reason, it seems like in the last couple of years, agriculture has become a bad word. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the whole Bill Gates thing. I mean, I hate to throw him under the bus, <laughs> but that we're just tilling up our soil and have completely destroyed the land and we're poisoning America. I mean, I've literally watched some TikTok videos and had people message me because um, I posted about no-till the other day and yeah. spring. But we don't think about the byproducts that come from all of this, like your ketchup, your detergent, your crayons, your paint, what you're wearing, um, your sunglasses, like corn syrup, cornstarch. Literally everything. Bread. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So those are the things I think we forget that what are guys growing cotton for? what you're wearing today. Yeah. But yeah, no, we do not have, and we didn't have a grow, garden growing up or anything, but it's um, it's not rare to have several sections in a row because it's, I mean, we're in the flyover states. It's yeah, just farmland. Like yeah. I said, I graduated with six people. So yeah, we yeah. live on farms, big farms. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, that's, and, and that, that actually leads me, leads us into kind of our next topic, which is, you know, you just talked about maybe the perceptions of agriculture in, in recent years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really love this new project you've started, um, uh, Gingerline. So, so talk about that. Talk about where Gingerline Creative, Gingerline Farms and all that came from. Yes. So in this role, I've always been a pretty artsy fartsy kind of person. Um, and in fact, a lot of people are like, you grew up on a farm or like you sell corn seed because I kind of <laughs> I kind of look like a hippie um, some days. So don't let it. Uh, yeah, fool you. But ginger line, I like I said, just kind of felt like I didn't have a creative outlet once I started this job. Um, and moved back home. And so writing is my first true love. I've wanted okay. to be a writer my entire life. Um and so I went from writing a thesis and spending all day, every day devoting to this written project to uh, driving a lot and drinking a beer with farmers, you know, once a day. So, yeah, I just felt that I, I had a void. And then I started to realize my cup is not runneth over, really, at the moment. <laughs> and I think it's because I wasn't I'm not getting enough diversity uh, I felt like I was in an echo chamber yeah. and that's boring to me. I yeah. mean, that's part of the reason I wanted to leave where I grew up because everybody thinks the same, talks the same, walks the t- same, you know, it's just like pretty vanilla, which is great. I mean, I came back for a reason. Sure. So I thought, you know what? I think I need to go back to my roots of, you know, why I went to college and stuff. 
and just start sharing what we're doing on the farm. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just start a little blog. And a lot of my family was encouraging me to just start writing because they missed reading my writings. So I started that. And then I just slowly started posting random like Instagram live stories Mm -hmm. of on the tractor. And it's funny because a lot of my college friends would be like, you on a tractor because I look like a hippie, you know? I'm just like, yeah, this is the other part of me, guys. Um, And it has kind of just come into an advocacy role that I maybe didn't plan for, but now I see the importance for because I talked about an echo chamber and now I'll talk about a spiral of silence. So I'm in Colorado and we've got some major issues, challenges facing the agriculture industry um, with legislation and um, the politics in Colorado. So um, what kind of sparked the whole Gingerline Farms Instagram advocacy account was our governor um, created a meat out day to um, help in people's diets and help the environment and everything. And sure that backfired. Um, and <laughs> I, I personally did. didn't uh, agree with it either. So I put a post out there just saying, well, Mr. Governor, here's what I think, you know, 90% of the corn is given to cattle yeah. and a large majority of Coloradans are farmers and ranchers. And these are our livelihoods and everything. And also the 100 million acres of corn grown in the U S um, gives off 40% more oxygen than the Amazon rainforest. So, mm. Corn is important and corn is fed to cattle. So cattle are important. Um, so yeah, I did that and that uh, kind of went viral. And I had several people message me just about like, hey, have you ever considered politics? No, no way. I haven't and I will not. So let's it sounds, just it sounds awful. make it known. Yeah, it's a no for me. But I can write and I can tell my story. Um, and I can represent some of us because I don't know if you know this, but farmers and ranchers don't exactly like to speak up. <laughs> We're yeah. kind of pretty reserved people and we don't like everybody knowing our biz. Oh yeah. So long story short, I created Gingerline as a creative outlet and, um, just thought of it as a long-term umbrella to kind of be a multi-hyphenate creative agency, mm-hmm. whether that's real estate or farming or education. And so... Yeah, I have my blog now, and then um, I turn my Instagram into Gingerline Farms, and it's just really fun to interact with people about being on the tractor and what we're doing today and why we're fertilizing and how I'm getting ready to select my hybrids of corn. And um, yeah, there's another uh, proposal in Colorado called the Pause Act that basically would criminalize any um, artificial insemination, fertility oh, testing, yeah, breed, breeding um, soundness exams. And so I posted about that the other day because really, and it's not just Colorado, we've gotten to the point where consumers are outvoicing the people who provide the food to the consumers. Hmm. Um, and it's frightening. I mean, it could be catastrophic what this if this passes and makes it to the ballot, what it would do and what it would mean for farmers and ranchers. Yeah. So yeah, I posted about that and I was shaking in my boots because I don't like conflict. Um, right. But I had several people message me um, that I went to Regis with all my friends from California, of course. Yeah, and sure. They're like, we don't understand this. We don't understand why you're attacking. And 
I wasn't attacking. I was just presenting the facts and yeah. And yeah, it was emotion driven, which I usually try to stay pretty, um, even kiltered, but, um, it, it ended in great conversations and educational conversations about why this is important and actually what this means because yeah. they make all this legislation confusing Oh yeah, on purpose, sure. I think. And ag is hard enough. For me, I grew up on a farm and I didn't really know there were so many different types of hybrids of corn. So imagine somebody else like, what's a hybrid yeah. of corn yeah. and why do we need it? So, okay, yeah, just a way to educate kind of to the lay people. Uh, that's great. And you do a great job with it. I, uh, you know, I am for, for better or worse. I live on social media these days. Right? Yeah, I'm. Too much. I do too much. Well, TikTok is addicting, man. I cannot. And you're help really it. good at it. Oh, thanks. I know. I appreciate it because I'm I'm the old guy. You know. I'm old too. Yeah, you get on there and you're like, oh, okay, these kids are 18. I'm nearing 30. Yeah, I was. So I'm on the I'm other side. Not cool of that. anymore. I, I rolled over 30. A few years. So I'm 33, and I got on this past year because I was. I think like so many people got like, especially us millennials. I think we jumped on TikTok because we were bored last year oh yeah and i don't know I, how to be bored yeah i for one was like i would never oh yeah because i thought too. it was a bunch of teeny boppers mm -hmm. or that's what everybody said and then i get on there i'm like this is hilarious there's so and there's actually some cool content yeah i'm like this is such a great little 60 second blurb about yeah and making a pasta or what you can do with your laundry or yeah it's well and we have cool. to tell stories differently mm -hmm. like you know, so I, I come from Extension or my, my last career was with Extension and, you know, I love Extension. I do. I, I love the way that they do things. But unfortunately, a lot of the things that we did were the things that they did in the 1960s. That's the way we've always done it. And, yeah. and, and that's, and I get it. I understand why. But like, you know, one of the, one of the things that I always thought was so powerful about it is that like it, it, it took knowledge to where people were it broke down this knowledge barrier where people especially agri people in agriculture who either just didn't go to school or didn't go to college or whatever or didn't like didn't have the the means or the time to like i'm gonna schlep myself somewhere and o open a book about what we're doing it's like no i have to grow things we have to do all the stuff extension was so powerful because it could take that knowledge to people mm-hmm and that's what we're doing through Instagram and TikTok and all of these different silly things that we do on the internet. Yep. It's like, no, we're taking the information to the people that need it where they are. We're meeting people and meeting their needs where they live. Yep. And uh, it's, again, I there's so much funny stuff on TikTok. There's a lot. I'm just like, oh, my, who would think to do this, yeah. right? Oh, like, no. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty that I'm like, nope, yeah. nope. Scroll faster. But there's so much funny stuff on there. And But I'm the old guy and I don't know what I'm doing. So I... Luckily, I, I like to say that I have two skills, and one of them is asking if I can help with something after the job's already done. That's one of my major <laughs> life skills. And the other one is being enthusiastic, and that lends itself well to social media. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and people like being entertained while educated. So I think they're awesome, and that's why, like, when Instagram came out with the stories, that was a total game changer because when I was here, like – in school, I would miss being on the ranch or the farm or whatever. And then I follow quite a few people from home that would start just videoing moving cattle or whatever. And I'm like, I feel like I'm there and I love yeah. it. It gives me the warm and fuzzies. And even my friends now, they're like, what? That's a big old tractor. It's a big old sprayer. <laughs> and, and yeah, you don't understand 
how large some of these farms are or the equipment or like how cool it is to see a woman owning agriculture, her place on a farm. It's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so where did the name come from? Ginger lime. I love the name. Thanks. Yeah, me too. I felt like I wanted something that people would remember and associate as artistic slash, yeah, farming. I wanted it to have some flair. Yeah. So anyways, um, I was on a walk with my, my buddies, Blaze, who is a total hippie and I won't offend anybody or him by saying that he's a hippie because he, he's got dreads and everything. <laughs> um, very spiritual, intellectual, um, was always challenging me in those ways. And so anyways, we were on a hike once and I was taking a bunch of pictures of uh, the land and any leaves I could find that were kind of like a burnt orangey color. Mm -hmm. And he's like, why are you taking all these pictures? And so I said, I'm trying to find this color and I don't think it has a name, but it's like a burnt orange, but kind of like the cool retro orange from the seventies. And anyways, my grandma Jeannie, I think used to wear, wear an orange lipstick. And so a couple days later I got a letter from him and all it said was ginger line. And then it said, um, of yellow orange color, um, her lipstick or something like that. I'm forgetting what it says, but, um, the story's on my blog if you want to okay. check it out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I just thought that was a cool, cool name that I hadn't heard very often. Yeah. And I, this really doesn't come into play, but I've always wanted a redheaded daughter because okay. my grandma was redheaded and we don't have any really redheads in our family. I think I have one, um, distant cousin with redhead. Anyways, so I just thought, what a cool way to commemorate my mom's parents because they've both both passed and he was a farmer and they were a little more funky, I guess, um, and less traditional. So, yeah, yeah it, that just was the flair in itself, I thought. And I mean, you, I mean, honestly, you nailed it because it, it like it brings all those thoughts to my mind. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, it, you know, it's creative. But it kind of feels like earthy. I don't know if that's the right way yeah, to say well, it. Yeah, well, the color's earthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah, Thanks. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I, I love the, uh, you know, b believe it or not, I I, it, it, and I I love colors and I love all that, which I think lends itself to the horticulture stuff that I do and oh, the yeah. photography stuff. So anything like that, I think it makes me pretty happy. Yeah, pretty I wanted cool. it to just elicit a response of what the heck is Gingerline? And I looked it up. There's, there's one... Um, like Tupperware company that's Gingerline, but okay. I think they're in the UK, so you should be all right. Yeah, I'm pretty original. I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, so that's that's really cool. I really like it, and and yeah, I'll post links to all your stuff, you know, in the show notes and and all of that. Um, but so so one question I I really wanted to ask was, where do you see yourself going? I think that's that's not a question that for whatever reason I I have not asked a lot of my guests for some reason. But I, like for some reason that that just popped into my head that like where do you see yourself the rest of your career with farming and all the different things you do where are you going? That's a loaded question. Yeah, it is. Sorry. Well, because I've jumped sorry. around so much already. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm entrepreneurial by heart, so I would eventually like to completely work for myself um, with my husband farming. So yeah, we don't know if we'll stay in Eastern Colorado. We really, really really love West Texas. Um, yeah. just the people and it just feels like home. It's like sure. the sense of place when you just know where you belong. It's yeah. just makes my heart pitter patter. So yeah. Um, 
we want to farm. I really, my biggest goal in life is to have what I call my learning farm. And, um, so it, it probably will be something similar to grub, but I, my main passion is bringing people back to the land and where everything comes from something and just, yeah, the psychological constructs that come with it, the pride and the passion and the purpose and the patience of growing something and the tenderness that comes with it and, um, how the fruits of your labor mean something. And so, yeah, I would like to do that maybe cooking classes someday with an event center, I got a big old idea drawn out that hopefully in the next five, 10 years we can make happen. I like planning events, which you would be like, okay, you didn't mention that in any of your (laughs) other um, (laughs) career interests, but yeah, something like 10, 15 acres learning farm. People could have retreats there. Um, Yeah. Probably art classes, cooking classes, just a holistic way of bringing everything together based off of the foundation of the land. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome. And and you know, you're I think you're a natural storyteller. And what better way to tell the story of all of this? You know, everything we do, the land and and everything that comes from that than what you're talking about. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thanks. So, okay, you you've listened to the show a little bit and I always like to throw this question as the last question of my guests. Uh and it's funny cuz some people were like, I thought about this since the first episode, but uh, most people are like, I had no, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, which is fun for me, actually. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but it's fun for me. So if you, if you could leave our listeners with one thing, anything, it can be about agriculture. It can be about life. I, I don't care. What would that one thing be? What I would say is you're not entitled to anything. And I think that's comes from being raised on a farm. Nothing is free. Um, hard work matters. So just go out there, show up. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I feel like I'm putting lots into one (laughs) one thing, but yeah, the main thing is we're not entitled to anything and everything comes from something. Yeah. I like it. So yeah. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Respect where it comes from. Yeah. It is very important to understand that. Yeah. I, I love it. So, um, you're, you're kind of a lot of places, but where all can we find you? Well, on Instagram, of course, because that's where I'm at most of the time <laughs> these days, um, which can kind of get exhausting yeah. like because I'm an introvert. But um, yeah, uh, Instagram at Gingerline Farms. And then um, my website is gingerlinecreative.com, which those would be the longer posts. And I'm not just posting about agriculture. I've got some heavy love stuff. I've had quite a few uh, relationships, not quite a few, whatever. I've had four boyfriends. But um, (laughs) uh, yeah, we don't want that to be taken the wrong way. But (laughs) it was it was fun to watch you work through that. Lord, Lord have mercy. Yeah. Um, But no, I think I've I've I'm a very introspective person and I like to share that art and some of it's pretty heavy and it might make you cry or mad or angry, but I like, I want to elicit some feelings and be vulnerable about how we're all human and we all experience some messy stuff sometimes. So yeah, check that out. Um, I'll be posting a lot more about isolation and what it's like to be a woman in ag, especially and isolation in general, being back in rural America. Yeah. And belonging and um, apathy, empathy, etc. So, I think those are my main. 
Okay. Just my website. And I do have a Facebook page. If anybody's on Facebook, it's just Gingerline Creative. And then I live in Eastern Colorado. So if you're ever in the plains of Eastern Colorado, you can find me there on a tractor probably. I'll be on a corn planter uh, running around. Yeah. Yeah. And and probably making a cool video about it. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's weird. So I'll be planting corn with my 500 or so growers. So I'm like, how am I going to tell these guys like, hey, Bob, for example, do you mind if I just set up my phone real quick and we <laughs> record this? Because when it comes to corn planting, it's serious. Like, oh, it's yeah, go time. No, right. We don't stop. We don't stop for lunch. We don't stop for dinner. We're going. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. I'll be planting a lot of plots. So okay. that will be really educational. Stay tuned for that. You should follow me on Instagram to learn about corn i'm starting a corn series called corn with Kristen. that's not very creative but i like it it's what i could think of catchy um yeah so follow me there all right well thanks so much for coming in you know driving here all the way from colorado just for this i did seven hours just for vikram so it's a long way yep (laughs) um no this is great i really enjoyed talking with you it's nice to catch up thanks and uh uh thanks for listening people humans whatever you know, I guess you don't have to be human. I don't care. If you're if your dogs are listening, I'm glad they listen too. But um uh go follow Kristen, all the places, all her links will be in the show notes and, and all the social media stuff. And uh y'all are the best, and we will talk to you next time. There's always this awkward time where I can never remember how to turn this thing off. No, but really, I uh, I never talk about it, but I always forget how to turn off my recorder. I don't know why. I've been doing this for a year and a half. I should be smarter, but I'm not. I'm not. Y'all, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, this wonderful episode with Kristen. We covered a lot of ground, and I hope you get a picture, uh, a little bit above a better picture of maybe what life on a farm is like in America, uh, what it's like to be a woman in agriculture, and what it's like to, I, I don't know, put yourself out there and talk about the things you love and the things that matter to you. Uh, in a very real way. I think Kristen's doing an excellent job of all of that. Thank you so much to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for sponsoring this crazy business and uh, for being so supportive of everything uh, that we do here at Planthropology. Um, I hope that you have a wonderful end to your April. It's been a wild year so far. I imagine April will continue to do so. But we'll be back next week with our next installment of uh, Plants and World Traditions. This one's going to be called April Showers. And um, I hope that you will love it. Those have been fun to do, and I'm looking forward to doing more of them. But y'all have a great uh, next couple of weeks. I'll talk to you soon. And y'all keep being cool. <laughs>